Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. To God be the glory. We're going to be in Acts chapter 21. If you want to go and turn there, we want to welcome everyone and those watching Arden at home. We want to welcome you guys to church today. We are starting a new series called Let's Change the World. And over the next few weeks, we're going to, during the summertime, we're going to be taking Paul's journey in Acts from Jerusalem to Rome. And we're going to be talking about how Paul used challenging circumstances to spread the gospel. Even though he was chained, the gospel was never bound. So today I want to start with a little bit of a testimony of what God's doing in this church I'm getting word in the community that people are talking about this church and they're they're saying things like there's revival going on down at Arden First Baptist Church. And I want to testify that is the case because to God be the glory, we're seeing people who have never come to church come to church for the first time. We're seeing people who haven't been in a long time coming back. We're seeing people give their lives to Christ and get baptized We're seeing new classes being formed, people joining small group community. In fact, we've got so many classes, it's hard to keep up with them. We've got a new believers class, and we've got a new church members class. We just started a new student ministry class. That's a meeting while we're talking now. They're meeting during the 1030 service for middle school, high school students. We're just seeing God just move in so many ways. And um, we're we're just sensing God calling people into the ministry. Uh, I'm excited that we have a lot of young people filling a call to ministry and are looking at going into Bible college. It's great to see people being called again to full-time vocational ministry. Our staff just got back from a quarterly staff retreat. We're beginning to, instead of just doing an annual retreat, doing quarterly retreats and just kind of getting away and sensing what God is doing. So the staff has come back from this retreat, fired up, charged up, ready to serve you, ready to serve the community. So we're just excited. So today we're going to talk about the power of a changed life. And what we're going to do, we're going to take a lengthy portion of Scripture in Paul's life where he shares his testimony. And we're going to use Paul's testimony as a model of how to share your testimony. So as we talk about the Apostle Paul and his life, I want you to be thinking about your testimony. How did you come to Christ? How has your life changed since you have become a Christian. And basically, in the church, there's two major models, at least in the American church, of how people basically share the gospel through the church. Model one is kind of a model where you're encouraged to bring your lost friends to church and let our pastor tell you how to become a Christian. That's model one. Model two is where the pastors equip you on how to share your faith on Sunday. And Monday through Saturday, you go out and share the gospel with your family, your friends, your co-workers, where you live, work, and play. So which model do you think is most effective? Model one, where you guys bring them and I share the gospel, or model two, where you guys are equipped on how to share the gospel? Someone tell me. Model two, all right. Same with the first service. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to change the model. See, model one is very popular in the American church because it's easy. 
You guys bring everyone to church and let the pastor tell you about how to become a Christian. By the way, I will. You bring your lost friends, I'll tell them. But I think it's not an either or scenario. It's a both and. My job is to encourage, empower, and equip you guys on how to, how to live the Christian testimony. So that way you can change the world. So here's the reality. When I say change the world, I'm not saying that you can change everyone on planet Earth's life. But I am saying that if you change one life, guess what? The world is forever changed. Because if one life is changed, it's a different world, right? And that one person has an impact on everyone in his or her life. So over the next few weeks, we're going to go into detail about how you can change the world. First of all, by changing your world. And as your world changes, the people around you are impacted with the good news. So let's jump into Acts 21. And we're going to be reading verses 37 And going into chapter 22, so hang in there. It's going to be about 20 verses of scripture. So hang in there for the reading. Again, welcome to those watching at home. Verse 37, then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I speak to you? He replied, can you speak Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? But Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. And I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they had heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. He said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you are all today. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women And also the high priest bears me witness and all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who are with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And he said to me, arise and go into Damascus. And there you'll be told all the things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who are with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me. And he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked at him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be 
his witness to all the men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the power of a changed life we see in Saul who became Paul. And Father, as we hear Saul's testimony of how he came to know Jesus and how his life changed, help us to be encouraged, empowered, and equipped on how to share our story with others. We ask and pray your blessing will be upon your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the power of a changed life. What does your life look like when it has been changed by Jesus? And I want to give you three transformative truths as you look at Paul's story of how his life was changed. And what I want to do is make application to you. How has your life changed since you've known Jesus? The first truth is this. Get ready to share your testimony because an opportunity will come at often inopportune times. So from last week, we talked about how easy it is to be misunderstood. How many of you related to that message? All right, most of you are like, yes, I can connect. So there, there was a video that went viral of a wedding proposal. You know, most wedding proposals are, are, are fun and cute and romantic. But this wedding proposal went viral because it was very different. And I think we have a picture of it. Let's throw the picture of the wedding proposal. If you'll notice in the background, there is a casket at this wedding proposal. So this is kind of, how many of you have heard about this story as the recent went viral? What happened is this is South Africa. The pastor was officiating the funeral of this lady's father. And after he had said his final condolences and sermon, he then turned to the deceased daughter and asked her to marry him. So how many of you ladies would have said yes? How many of you ladies would have said absolutely no? <laughs> So the reason why this went viral is because obviously I've never seen a proposal at a at a funeral before, as any of you. But here's the thing. If you read the comments, a lot of people went off negative rant. So this guy was just, you know, how how unholy and wholesome for a pastor. He should know better. I mean, this guy, his timing was off. I mean, all the comments. But let's talk about a few different things that may change your perspective. How many of you have ever grown up in South Africa? Anybody? Nobody. What if their culture is a little different than ours? Would that change your perspective? What if one of the comments someone mentioned that perhaps this guy wanted to propose in front of the father, but now the father's passed away. So this is his last effort while the father indirectly is still there. The body's still there to propose. What if in this, what if in this culture, once the father who provides for his family has passed away, the family could be in poverty after this. What if the pastor's trying to say, I'm going to be the provider, right? Would that change your perspective? Some of you are like, I still don't get it, right? Well, at the very least, how many of us can say this is probably not the best timing, right? Not the best timing, but it's easy to be misunderstood. So a little connection from last week. Paul was misunderstood by so many different people. First of all, he was understood by the Jewish Christians. We learned last week that the Jewish Christians, they said in Jerusalem, if you didn't listen last week, I'd encourage you to listen to it. They said, listen, Paul, the, the rumor mill is, is going overtime. And the rumor is that you're telling Jewish Christians to throw away the Old Testament. You don't need the law of Moses. And we know that's not true. Paul was telling Gentiles that they didn't have to follow the law of Moses to be saved. 
So that, that, that was, you know, a false rumor. He was misunderstood by the angry mob. Last week, Paul got accused of doing what? Bringing a Gentile into where? Into the temple, right? And did Paul do that? No, I mean, he, it, it was not just misunderstanding, but he was flat out lied. They had made an assumption about Paul, and it was a false assumption. So here we see Paul being misunderstood by the military commander. His name was Claudius Lias. And Claudius basically was this commander that was there to maintain order. And Paul was in front of him, and when Claudius saw Paul, he basically thought that he was this Egyptian. Now, Josephus tells about this story. This goes back to around AD 54. There was an Egyptian guy that gathered a band of assassins together. And the record says that there was 4,000 people. Um, Josephus had a tendency, this Jewish historian, to inflate the numbers a little bit. So he had it was much larger. But we'll go with Luke's account. We believe the Bible is 4,000. And what happened was these assassins basically had, had made this statement. The Egyptian ruler was gathering these assassins. And they were known as daggered men. They each had a dagger inside their garment. And there would be a big crowd And these assassins would take out their dagger and begin stabbing people. So this Egyptian made the statement, we're going to we're going to overthrow Jerusalem. The walls are going to go down and we're going to push the Romans out. And he was claiming to be some prophet, some holy guy. So basically, the Romans squelched this assassination attempt. They squelched this attempt to overthrow the Roman government. But the Egyptian man got away. So when you look back in verse number 37 and 38, the, the guy said, verse 38, are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led 4,000 assassins into the wilderness? And Paul was basically saying, no, I'm not that guy. And because he spoke Greek, which the Egyptian assassin could not, the, the commander was just shocked. OK, you must not be that guy. So Paul took this horrible situation and he used it as an opportunity to share Christ with not only the commander, but with the crowd. And the Bible says that Paul gave a defense. If you go back to chapter 22 in verse 1, it says, Brothers and fathers, hear my defense before you now. The Greek word for defense is the word apologia. Someone say apologia. This is where we get our word apology from, but it doesn't mean apology like the English word. The English word apology is like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I'm a Christian. doesn't mean that. Apologia means to give a verbal defense of something why you believe. It's often used in a legal defense. Why you're standing up for why you believe. You're given a presentation as you would in a court of law. So Paul used this opportunity that really was against them. I mean, you think about it. This crowd is wanting to kill him. They're falsely accusing him. Commander thinks that he's a terrorist and he clarifies that he's not. But instead of like getting into a pity party, instead of complaining, Paul realizes this is my chance. This is my chance to share Christ. And I, this is the whole reason why I'm coming to Jerusalem. So my, my people, the Jews, may have a chance to receive the gospel. In 1 Peter 3.15 Peter gives us this encouragement. He says, but sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and always be ready to give a apologia, a defense, the same word is used, to everyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. But do this with meekness and in fear. So I want to ask you, if, if someone asks you to share Christ with them, would you be ready? Could you give an apologia? Could you give a verbal defense 
or verbal testimony of why you are a Christian. If not, then today, this is going to kind of be like a workshop. I want to equip you so that when you leave this place, you will have an understanding of how to give your testimony. Ephesians 5.16, Paul says in another passage, he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So here you have Paul, he's standing in front of the commander, and basically, instead of squelching this opportunity, he turns this an opportunity to share the gospel with his angry mob. So here's the, here's the, here's the beautiful thing. If you have a heart for your family and friends, I want to give you this, this encouragement. Jesus loves your family and friends that are lost more than you do. You know why? He died for them. And he's working on them behind the scenes. So if you'll just get ready and get prepared and you pray, God, open up opportunity, an opportunity to share Christ with others. Guess what? He's going to open up doors. You guys are entering into summer season. Summer season is the time we get together for cookouts, picnics, vacations. There's going to be opportunities that you have this summer to share Christ with others. So I want to encourage you to look at Paul and just to be able to share how Jesus, just like the song we sang, how he has brought you from darkness into glorious light. How he has brought you from death into a place of everlasting life. And you know, the thing about it is, your story is an epic one. As long as Jesus is the hero of your story. As long as Jesus is the hero of your story, you have an epic life. So even if bad things are happening to you right now, if good things are happening to you, in the highs and in the lows, guess what? As long as Jesus is the hero, your story is an epic one. This is the power of a changed life. Amen? Alright, second truth. You can use Paul's testimony as a template on how to share your testimony. So in chapter 22... I want to kind of give you an overview of Paul's testimony, and then we're going to kind of go into detail. Paul basically gives us the essence of his testimony. He talks about how he was a Jew, his birthplace, in verse 3. He talks about his formative years, how he was raised at the feet of Gamaliel. He talks about who he was before he met Jesus. He talks about how he came to meet Jesus. And then he talks about how his life has changed since he's become a believer. So I want to break that down. And as we look at that, I, I want to kind of give you guys an action plan on how to share your testimony. How many of you want to get better at being able to share your testimony? Amen. I'm there with you. So kind of here's the action plan. First of all, we have two actions and three major points. The first action is to connect with your audience or the person. Connect with your audience or person. If you look at Paul in verses 2 through 3, first of all, he spoke... In the native Aramaic, it talks about the Hebrew language, it's talking about the Aramaic. He spoke their language. He, he was able to speak in a way that would get to their heart. And then he talked about, he appealed to their culture. Notice how he highlights to this Jewish audience, he highlights his Jewishness. He says, I am indeed a Jew. He says, I'm from Tarsus. Tarsus was one of the cultural places of that day. It had one of the major universities, the top, one of the top three universities of the ancient world. And he says, listen, I was raised not only in the Jewish ways, but I was raised at the feet of Gamaliel. This was the most celebrated rabbi of Paul's day. So he's, he's connecting right away with his audience. So kind of the application of that is when you're talking to somebody, find a way to find common ground with them. 
So I mentioned to the first service, if you're in downtown Asheville and someone is a new ager, maybe they don't believe in God, maybe they believe in evolution, and you're trying to connect with them, find a common ground. Maybe it's talking about the intelligent design of the universe, like this intelligent design has to come from an intelligent designer, and maybe that, that's a starting point. Maybe the person is in, in a time of sadness and brokenness, and maybe it's just connecting with their hurt and saying, listen, I'm here for you. Uh, one of the guys in the first service, we, we kind of allow the first service opportunity to share. He said, listen, I thought the Bible was a fairy tale. And how I came to Christ was I saw that someone's life had changed. I saw a changed life and I saw this person had hope. So use a starting point. So that, that's kind of the action is connect with a person where they're at. All right. Three major points under the testimony is number one is my life before Jesus. Who were you before you met Jesus? If you look at verses 4 and 5, Paul tells about who he was. He was active, actively persecuting the church. Look back at verse 4. He says, I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. And also the high priest bears me witness and all the councils of the elders, elders, talking about the Sanhedrin, for whom I received letters to the brethren. And went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. What is Paul saying? Well, before I met Jesus, I actually was trying to squelch out the church. Before I came to Jesus, I was not just anti-Christian. I didn't want any Christians talking about Jesus. Now, some of you may not have been antagonistic toward the gospel, but think about who you were. What, what was your life like before Jesus? For Paul, he was religious he thought he was doing God a favor by, by, by trying to squelch Christianity, but then he realized he was wrong. Some of you, your testimony may be, I was raised in church, but you know I, I really didn't accept Christ until later. Some of you, your testimony may be, I accepted Christ at a young age, and I really don't have a, a sketch past, but I realized I was a sinner in need of grace. Some of you, your testimony, I was in the party scene, and I came to Christ through this or that. Some of you, we have testimony, some of you were atheists and you didn't have any belief in God. And all of a sudden, Jesus showed up in your life through different means and now you're, you're a believer. And some of you here or watching online, you may still be seeking. You haven't come to Christ yet. And we want to welcome you. So that's your first point. Who was I before I met Jesus? All right, second point is how I came to know Jesus as my Savior. In verses 6 through 9, just to summarize it, Paul said that he was on his way with letters from the religious leaders to drag men and women who claim the name of Christ into prison, into chains. So, you know, the, the word on the street was, hide your kids, hide your wife, Paul's coming for you. You know, he, he's coming to get you. So all of a sudden, Paul comes, and he was called Saul, by the way. Their names are interchangeable. Saul, who was now we call him Paul, he saw this bright light. And notice, what time of day did he see the bright light? Someone tell me. At noon. Now, noon is one of the brightest points of the day, the, the hottest, the sun is shining, the, the brightest, one of the times of day. And isn't it interesting that in the peak of the day, the sun shining its brightest was outshone by the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. When it talks about the glory, it's talking about Jesus Christ himself appeared. And that's why we call Paul an apostle, because he actually saw Jesus. And the, the light was so bright, Paul became physically what? He became blind, right? So that's how he came to Jesus on the road to Damascus. As he was trying to put out Christianity, as he was trying to put out the fire that was spreading about Jesus, the, the fire of the gospel, 
he saw this bright light and the voice came to him, Saul, Saul. And he's like, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. And all of a sudden, Saul, who was persecuting the church, meets Jesus face to face. And all of a sudden, his life is forever changed. So the essence of Paul's testimony is the essence of salvation. Paul thought he was okay, but he realized he wasn't. He realized that he was a sinner in need of grace. And then once he had an encounter with Jesus, his life was forever changed. He repented of his life. He turned his life around and did an about face. If you look on your listening guide, I provide a definition of repentance. That's kind of a big Bible word. For those of us who grew up in church, we use that word a lot. For those of you new to church, you're like, what is repentance? So let me, let me define repentance. Repentance is a change of mind with the corresponding change of action and a change of heart and a change of life. Once God changes your mind and your heart, guess what? Your life also changes. If your heart is not changed, your life is not changed. If your life is not changed, you have never really repented in the first place. So there's so many people that ask this question, well, you know, Timothy, I know someone that walked the aisle, prayed a prayer, but their life never changed. And my question is, did they ever turn to God? Because here's the thing. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But faith in Christ completely changes you. So it's kind of like this. Repentance is a military term. It means an about face. So you're going in this direction. Jesus calls your name. You can't keep going in that direction. You have to turn this way and walk towards Christ. So if God has moved inside of your life, guess what? You will be changed. There's no such thing as person that accepts Jesus and their life has not changed. If Jesus has not changed their life, Jesus has not entered their life. And they have to reevaluate whether they really were saved. So who was I before Christ? How did I come to Christ? And the third point of your testimony is what my life has been like since I became a Christian. In verses 10 through 16, we kind of see Paul, who was called Saul at this point, how his life changed. First of all, Saul responded with obedience to follow God. Saul said in verse 10, what shall I do, Lord? Isn't that the essence of salvation where once you become a Christian, the next thing is, Lord, what shall I do? And all of a sudden, Jesus tells Saul, what you need to do is go to look for a man by the name of what? Ananias. Does anybody remember what street he lives on? Straight street. Isn't that interesting? Straight is the way, narrow is the path that leads to life. He, he's on the straight street. Can't make this stuff up, right? It, it's there. And all of a sudden, he goes to Ananias he is physically blind, which, by the way, I think that's a metaphor. He was physically blind. This serves as a picture of, of once you're, before you come to Christ, you're spiritually blind. And you receive the sight. It's kind of like the old song we sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. This is a really good metaphor. Saul was physically blind, and that's a metaphor. Before we come to Christ, we're spiritually blind. And all of a sudden, Ananias prays over him. Saul receives his sight. And notice he receives his call to ministry. Skip down to verse 14. The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one. Talking about Jesus. And hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. 
And notice what happens next in verse 16. It says, and why, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of Jesus. See, here's the idea. In the New Testament, there's only one exception that I can think of. Does anybody remember the one Christian that was not baptized in the New Testament? The thief on the cross. With that one exception, every New Testament believer goes through with baptism. So here's the thing. If you want to hit a home run in your spiritual life, you can't miss first base. First base, after you accept Christ, is to do what? Is to be baptized. There's a lot of Christians that want to hit a home run, but you've missed first base. If you want to go all the way, you have to take the next step of obedience. Now, to clarify, baptism does not save you. Baptism does not wash away your sin. It's a symbol of what happens. When you go under the water, it represents the old you. But when you come up, it represents the new you. So that is the picture of the gospel. Every time you see someone get baptized, it's the gospel. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I was found. This is the new life. So Saul instantly gets baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. So the other thing with your testimony, so you connect with your audience. You talk about who I was before Christ, how I met Christ, how my life has changed. But then action two is point your audience back to Jesus and see if they would also like to experience this new life. So here's the thing. When you share your testimony, don't let you be the hero of your story, right? It's kind of like what Rick Warren says in his Purpose Driven Life, day one. He says it's not about you, right? And that's the essence. Your story is an epic one if Jesus is the hero of your story. So in your testimony, let's, let's make sure that Jesus stays the hero, right? Not you. So if you look on your listening guide, I want to provide up something practical. This is something for you to read on your own. I don't have time to go all the details, but this is kind of a tool. Campus Crusade for Christ is really good about telling people how to share their testimony. So they provide a little bit of a template here. And they, they really talk about your story is his story. So remember, it's all about God. And they, they, they said, be ready. First Peter says, always be ready to give a defense. Be ready. So part of that, it's helpful to write out your testimony. If you write out your testimony, you're going to be better prepared to share it. So they mentioned five things, which we've already talked about. The opening. Think about a theme of your testimony. And that theme is depending on who you're talking about. Then your life, what? Before Christ, how you came to Christ, what happened after you came to Christ, and then the closing. And they mentioned some good stuff about your life before Christ. I remember my parents and I visited this church one, one Sunday. I was on vacation. And the pastor was talking about his testimony. But he went so explicit into the sin. We're like, I don't know if we can go back to that church next Sunday. Because it was so graphic. And here's the thing. It's okay to talk about your sin. But don't glamorize it, right? Don't glamorize it to the point. Now, sometimes you need to go in more detail if someone's struggling with that sin. But be careful not to glamorize things where people are like, wow, you know. We want, to, we want to make it about how good God is, not our long history stuff. So be sure to say it in a way that you can summarize it in three to five minutes. Because sometimes when you go more than five minutes, what happens to people's attention span? So, all right. So finally, last point. It's kind of like you, you've, you've gotten ready. God's going to give you an opportunity. You've prepared. And then number three willingly share the hope that you have with others. So to summarize chapter 22 that we've covered so far, Paul was not only ready, but he was willing. 
In chapter 21, we've read these verses. It's on your listening guide. It says, now when we'd heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So I want to tell you, Paul was warned by three different groups. Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. Paul saw this not as a prohibition, but he saw this as preparation. We talked about this several weeks ago, that Paul did not disobey God by going to Jerusalem, but people were warning him. And Paul realized that they, they applied it differently. Their application was don't go to Jerusalem. But Paul knew that he had to go to Jerusalem to do what we're talking about now, to share Christ. So it wasn't a prohibition, but it was a preparation. God was preparing Paul. So how many of you have ever wanted to share your testimony, but you feel inadequate? You feel like you're going to stumble. And that's why it's easy just to bring people to church and let the pastor tell them. How many of you have ever felt that? All right. Well, I'm going to tell you a story that maybe will encourage you. Uh, recently, I, I was taking several of my kids to a birthday party. And because I have so many kids, most people don't want all my kids coming to their party because I have more kids than guests at the party, right? So I decided to take three of my kids to a birthday party, one of Noel's friends. And basically, we, 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 I picked them up after school care because after work, ACA is about, you know, down the road. So I picked them up. It's about 435. The party starts at 6. And when Noelle gets in the car, she's wearing PJs because they're having PJ day at school. How many of you ever had that day? That's fun. But she forgot a change of clothes. So here's kind of where the pressure is building. All right, Noelle, we're going to have to buy you a brand new outfit, change of clothes, because you don't want to look weird at the kid's birthday party wearing PJs. And then she, we don't have a birthday gift yet. So I have to stop. I have to get her a change of outfit. I have to buy a birthday gift. And the kids are starving because they've been at school since 7.30 that morning. So I'm like, all right. So I got to think, Lori's at home with the younger two kids. All right, let me call five guys sandwiches and let, let's do a call in order. So by the time we get there, we can eat real fast. We've literally got like 30, 40 minutes to eat, to buy a gift and get Noelle a change of outfit. How many of you think we're going to make it on time? Right. So we go to we go to five guys. Sure enough, it's not ready, even though we called it in advance. We finally get the food. We eat like we're in the military. We just, you know, scoff it down, scoff it, just eating fast. We run to the place that has everything man could ever want. Wally World. Right. So we go in. We, we try to find Noel outfit. We're running through. We find a gift. We're scrambling. So finally, we realize we're going to be about 25 minutes late for this party. It's like, all right, well, Noel, it's at Trampoline Park, right? Launch Trampoline World. So we, we, we drive in. We try to go as fast as we can without getting pulled over. My confession right now. So we pulled in and we're like running to the door. And as we get to the door, there's this long line. You have to fill out these like release forms. Like if you get, if you get hurt, you will not sue soothe the trampoline park so we we fill this out and as we check in they're like so are you the are you the host of the party and i'm thinking that means i have to pay for the party no i'm not the host i'm just a guest right and they're like well you're the first one here i'm like the party starts at six how are we the first one here it's almost 6 30 they're like sir the party doesn't start till seven o'clock and i had to realize in that moment we got the time wrong so after we all took this collective sigh of relief, we realized we were doing better than we thought we were. So I just want to encourage you, if you are sharing your faith and maybe you're stumbling, you are doing better than you think you are. You know why? The majority of Christians don't share their faith. So if you've been making an attempt, look at the person next to you and say you're doing better than you think. Doing better than you think. So to wrap this up, I want to summarize our three points. 
And like I said, this message was more me preparing you to share your testimony as we hear Paul share his testimony. So let's review the three points. Number one, get ready to share your testimony because an opportunity will come at inopportune times. Here's Paul, this angry mob, this commander who thinks he's a terrorist. And Paul's like, guess what? I'm going to share the gospel. Which, by the way, do not propose for those of you who are single at any funeral. I'm just, I'm just telling you as your pastor, probably not good timing. That's not an opportune time. You guys won't forget that story. Number two, second point, use Paul's testimony as a template to share your testimony. So remember, Paul connected to his audience. He spoke their language, Aramaic. And then his three major points, who I was before I became a Christian, how I came to Christ, and what was the third one? How my life has changed since I became a Christ. That's that's your main template. And final point is willingly share the hope that you have with others. We we talked about Paul, how he knew that Jerusalem, he was going to get arrested. He knew that chains awaited him. And he not only was prepared, but he was willing. It's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to be willing to share it, even in hard times. So be willing to share that. All right, let's summarize this into one big idea. Your story is an epic one when Jesus is the what? The hero of your life. This is the power of the change. Let's remember your story is actually a testimony of Jesus at work on your life. So I want to encourage you in your life, realize that life, it's not about you. As much as your dog or your cat thinks it's about you, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. As long as he is the store, he is the hero of your story. Your story will be an epic one. All right, let's look at some application steps. This is your homework. You're like, Timothy, I I never had homework since I went out of school. Well, you're back in school. You're in God's college right now, right? We're preparing. Take 15 minutes this week to prepare your testimony. Remember the three points we mentioned. Your life before Jesus, how you came to know Jesus, and how your life has changed. I want to encourage you to write out your testimony, and we may be able to share some before the church, some of your stories. All right, number two, pray and ask God for an opportunity to share with someone this week. So a practical application of this message is like pray and say, God, you know, open up a door. Maybe I'll run into someone at Ingalls grocery store. Maybe when I go into a restaurant today, God will give me a chance to pray with the waitress. Whatever it may be, just pray for an opportunities. Because if you're looking for opportunities, guess what? God's going to provide some. And finally, the final application step. If you have a gospel conversation, let us know. I think some of you have been having them, but you haven't told us about it. So we're, we're, we're kind of keep track. Our goal for this year is how many for the year? A thousand. And if we said a hundred of you do one a month, we'll hit it over a thousand. So if you haven't shared it yet, just go ahead and write it on the back of your connection card in front of you. You can do that and turn it down your way out. Some of you may need to tell us you've had ten, but you haven't told us yet. Or you can email the church office. We're just kind of, kind of keep track because we realize that every life is important. And the more people we can share Christ with, guess what? The more people that are going to experience the power of a changed life. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your truth. And God, we've covered a lot of scripture today. And we thank you that in Paul's life and his testimony and also in our own, that our life is an epic one as long as Jesus is the hero. This is the power of a changed life. Lord, I pray that we will leave with that one truth that his story is our history, that God has invaded our lives and changed us from death to life. Thank you for that. Right now, with no one looking around, everyone does make your seat, your sanctuary, those listening online the same. 
If you're a believer today and you felt like you've stumbled in sharing and today you've been a little encouraged, I just want you to say this prayer. Say, Dear God, I want to be able to share Jesus with others. And where are the times I've remained silent when I should have spoken up, where I have not made the most of every opportunity, even at inopportune times, forgive me, God. Forgive me for being silent when you've called me to be a witness. Please forgive me. As the believers continue to do business with God, there may be one here today that you don't have a testimony yet because you've never asked Jesus into your life. And you came on a perfect day. Friend, you could not have come on a better day, whether in person or online, because you've heard the good news that Jesus loves you more than you'll ever know. That he died in your place and he rose again. And the gospel is the good news that you can be forgiven. It's the good news that God can take you from death to life. He can bring you out of the darkness and bring you into light. So friend, if you've never asked Jesus to save you, if you've never been born again, right where you're at, I just want you to say this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I believe the good news that you love me more than I'll ever know. Jesus, I ask and pray that you would come into my life. Just tell him right now, I ask and pray that you would come into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins. I do an about face. I repent and I'm going to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Friends, we've got a few closing announcements, but if you're new here, I'm going to be right back here to meet you. And for some of our members that would like to stay and talk, if you'll just kind of hang out in the front row after I greet the guests, I would love to see you guys also. Thank you for coming.